It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault, but couldn't tell you. Yesterday, you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now, I want to look wink. And welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast of the movie The Gambler. <laughs> My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here as I am joined here every year by Kelly Wan. Kelly Wand? Yeah. Do you have a tagline for the gambler movie we watched this week? I do. Uh, movie in which Mark Wahlberg plays an impoverished genius, number 38. <laughs> what? This year. He's an impoverished genius. Like, he was in Transformers and in uh, The Fighter. He's brilliant. And in Pain and Gain. And in Planet of the Apes. All right. Fair enough. And in Boogie Nights. He's the brains of the outfit. Do you have any? Because uh, I know if if Tom Chick were here in the room right now, he would say, "Kelly Wand, do you have any backup taglines?" Um, let it stand, or I stand on. I'll stand pat. <laughs> Some guy was telling me that when he went to the Gardena Poker Club, the old men would all give him shit if he bet too crazily. Like you're fucking up our the statistics of poker and they'd like beleaguer him about. they would beleaguer him is that what you said yeah is that right or are you only is beleaguer you're only on the receiving end you're beleaguered but you don't beleaguer someone else because it's got to come from inside you i don't know there was a there was a line in this where where i think jessica lang said something like are you so degraded that you can't come with your mother to the bank and i was like are you degraded degraded and then, yeah. then i started thinking of the desolation are you desolated Wait, is you, yeah. Wait, that is a weird line because it's like you're too degraded to do something degrading. I don't know. I couldn't quite. That's better what she's trying to say. I couldn't fold the verb in my mind, yeah. so I know what you're saying. Plus, no one says that kind of shit. Yeah, nobody does. You just go, come on. Here's your money. <laughs> don't go to bake. Fuck. Anyway, we are still not in spoiler territory. I just want to make that clear. That's a spoiler. Get um, it's all. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So Kelly, Kelly Wand. Oh wait, Kelly Wand. Did you see the interview? By the way. <laughs> are we gonna Are we gonna graft into interview space right now? Because I almost used Firework as the opening song for ah, this. Ah, you did see it. Oh yeah. I, uh, oh yeah. I watched the fuck out of that movie. Uh, Randall Park's good. It kind of reminded me of Ishtar, and I kind of felt like it needed McBride. Like in North Korea, I think that's. Oh, because who, who would McBride have played? He'd play the Franco character. Franco's not. He's he. Yeah. I don't know. It's not a good Franco role. I don't um, believe his character. I believe him. Don't you believe him as a talk show host? No, I was having trouble believing anything. Like she, the the North Korean lady, would like Seth Rogen instantly. I was having trouble believing that. All right. I'm having trouble believing the ending. Um, 
I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know that you're supposed to believe any of it. I think you're just supposed uh, to laugh at it. And that's that's, that's the question. Did you laugh at any of it? No, I didn't. That's the thing. I wanted to. I went in prime, and I really liked the opening. But then there's no good comic situations in it. Like, there's very few. Like, it's all buttholes. Yeah, well, your butthole is ironic. Is funny. Well, don't you think it, when when he meets Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Un is such a like, oh, I'm so excited to meet you. Yeah, Randall Park's great. He's actually doing something. He's doing some acting. Well, who's Randall Park? I don't remember him. He's the guy who played Kim Jong Un. I know, but who is he otherwise? He's an actor who played him. <laughs> what do we know him from? You mean? That's what I mean. Sorry. I don't know. I thought he was great. Yeah, I, and I thought that the that sort of weird broken expectation of him showing up at their door and then just being like, I I can't believe I'm meeting you. Here's a bust of you. I'm yeah. so excited to meet you. And the and that whole well, that's genuine. All the, all of that it feels so genuine that it's so weird uh, that that almost won me over. Yeah. I mean, and ju- in the same way that that is happening to um, Franco's character. I mean, you almost get won over because his. His performance is so genuine and compelling. I mean, I think he's what? just... Oh, I see what you mean. No, I think that... Hey, that what's his name? What's the guy? Ray Park? Randall Park. Randall Park. Randall Park. Um, he was on Beep. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the you're, guy. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's the, he's the other candidate. Yeah. Holy cats. Yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. that's where I know him from. Thank you, Kelly. He's the soldier. Yeah, he's the soldier. He's the he's the veteran that she's running against. Oh, Kelly, you just ah, oh, that's awesome. You are so oh, awesome. I look God, I love you so much, Kelly. <laughs> oh, God, you just made everything go into place for me. I ah, uh, that wasn't me. No, that was you. Yeah, you you, you just you just you just put puzzle piece. It's like that wonderful that's moment right. where you like snick a puzzle piece into place. You did. That's what you just did for me. I love that. Ah, I was just reading it. I didn't really. I don't care. I oh, right, love right. that you did that for me because Glad it was you, Kelly. Now I know who that guy is, and yeah. and he's the best part of the movie. Well, well, Lizzie now, Kaplan. Yeah. Lizzie Kaplan is super freaking hot. She's not. She's barely in it. That's the thing. Yeah, that is a problem. But she's hot at the beginning, and and then hot when she's not supposed to be hot, just because she's hot. Because I, I just love Lizzie Kaplan. Well, yeah, I like those. But um, it seemed like in Pineapple Express, like they were actually worried about getting shot and stuff. And in this, it seemed like I don't know. Like if, if James Franco is wearing a bulletproof vest at the end, I'm not that relieved. Am I? That's not funny. It's redemption. That's the thing. That interview's yeah. straight. That's it becomes a message movie. And it's like, dude, you got to feed your people. What? That's not funny. Why are we? That's not. This is what I paid for. Well, do you care I'm about? Sure to me. When you're watching it, do you care about any of the politics that are going on currently? Well, it shouldn't enter into it. It should just be a stoner comedy, and I don't need actual data and plastic fruit to make me go, oh, wait, what? Franco's learning, and I didn't know that either. What? They had one storefront to trick him? And the thing is, it's just not very funny. It's not funny. It's Because I, I went in prime, like, this is going to be great. Remember when I predicted it might be the greatest movie ever made? Right. That was over-optimistic. No, it's just not very funny. It's no, mostly it's boring. Um, it doesn't understand satire at all. No. Um, and the two of them uh, have no way. I, I guess they've forgotten what's great about pineapple. 
Pineapple Express. I mean, yeah, it's like the stuff that like you guys, you and Tom both thought I oversold. This is the end, and there were like jokes where I, when I rewatched parts of This is the End, I go, well, I can see where the like this stuff's kind of repetitive. But it's like this stuff was all that stuff, and then like the the cute little flourishes that I liked, and this is the end. There, it's like they kind of phoned it in. Their heart wasn't in it. Or something about the idea, or maybe it was just studio notes wore them down or something. I don't think that it's that their heart isn't in it. I just think that they're huge stars. And that didn't stop them before. Like they were coming off Spider-Man and fucking knocked up. No, I'm talking about Pineapple. I hated This is the End, so uh, th- that's not going to work for me as a, an analogy. It's, uh, I would look back at this Pineapple end. Express because they – they had a relationship then that was more interesting and more dynamic, and this just feels like two stars bumping off. Of yeah, but if McBride had been with them, and then it's Danny McBride in North Korea, like that sounds interesting to me. Like, you know, like- I, I, you, you're right. I think it needed so, sort of a Danny McBride sort of chaotic. Because Franco in Pineapple Express, like he plays a really weird role, like a really a re- like not the kind of character you would expect him to be. To be because he's kind of a sweet dude, but in this he's kind of the McBride character. So you have the pretty boy playing the lout. Uh, I see what you're saying, and it's not as uh, no, he's not as good no. at. I don't yeah, like. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, Danny McBride would have been just like fucking up the mission in more interesting ways. But also, we needed somebody who was expendable, and Danny McBride is expendable in Pineapple Express. I mean, and he just gets – he keeps getting beat the fuck out of. Yeah, but, but he I, I didn't know who he was when I saw that movie. And I didn't right. really expect James Franco to to be good in it. And, I and like, the humor in it was really – like, remember that opening where it's, like, the World War II bunker in Kansas or something? With his right, guys? right. That's, That's just the opening. It's, a, it's black and white. That's what's black awesome white. about the opening of that movie. Yeah. Right. Super original, and the whole movie's like that. Like every line just like comes at you. And in the interview, I just didn't feel that. And do you do you remember that Bill Hader is in the opening of that movie? Uh, yeah, he talks about pancakes. Yeah. Oh man, I, I, the reason I I just suddenly thought of that, and I didn't think about that until you reminded me of the opening of that movie, is that I just watched this week the Skeleton Twins. Have you seen that? No, I don't know what it is. The skeleton oh, twins. Uh, Kelly, you gotta watch the skeleton. Skelet twins. All right. Seriously, dude, he is. Okay. He is. From so... They came together. My favorite movie. Yeah, but he is so good in the skeleton twins. Skeleton it's, twins. It's really good. You got. You have to watch. You have to watch. Right. If you if you can get your hands on the skeleton twins, uh, Bill Hader is great in it. You know, and I, and I I hated on him uh because of uh because i hated the stuff that he and seth rogan were doing in um super bad uh, i love the movie super bad but i hate the cop stuff in it <laughs> um but but oh my god you yeah. gotta you gotta see i would love Skel- to hear what you have to say about the skeleton is it a comedy no <laughs> it's not a comedy no but so it's, it's like hell baby no but it stars no, it, it stars him and Kristen Wiig. Oh, well, and there you go. It's it's not a comedy, and it's really funny and really good. And <laughs> I, I mean, you really have to see it. Oh, it's weird, dude. Time. I love that you brought that up because all skeletons are twins. That's a good. They point. all look the same. Well, there you go. Now you're going to have to watch the it's movie. The same message as volcano. <laughs> we all have ash on ourselves. 
There's no way such thing as a racial divide because lava burns all of us. The more you know. Uh, speaking of lava burning all of us, um, Kelly, I'm, I was gonna. I want to ask you if you have an IMDb opsis. Um, but Let's first, I'm going to mention that uh, Tom sent the two of us a link <laughs> to a, a YouTube trailer that we had to see that w- of a Jackie Chan movie called Dragon Blade. <laughs> Wait, it's coming? I thought it was an old movie. No, no, it's it's 2015 movie. Um, and it's That's designed to be sort of a viral trailer. Uh, and when you watch it, you're you're like, okay, weird Asian movie about, uh, okay, hordes running around. Anyway, what? Who's in this? What? What? Um, it's it's this trailer that you watch and you can sit and you keep going, what? What? Um, and so I immediately went and looked at the IMDb opsis, hoping that I could goad you into reading this opsis, which would probably be awesome. But right now, it's it's, it's not it's, out yet. It's not out yet. It's coming out in 2015, um, and the opsis is really lame. It's one line. It is even a sen- it's barely a sentence. So I couldn't really get you to do that. But do you have an IMDb opsis for this week? Yeah, but I'll do that one when it's time. But it's oh. more fun when normal civilians write them on IMDb, I've noticed, than the I, studio. I agree with you. What do you have for us for this week? Um, I saw this movie in the theater, and I don't know if you did, but I suspect you would have. <laughs> That's your hint. All right, good. <laughs> Listeners, that didn't apply to you. There's nothing for you in that sentence at all. <laughs> Outlaw Smugglers, Stella Star. There's already one dude out there. This thing is like, yeah! He's already excited. It's a dude. And Actod. What? Let me start. It is getting a little confusing. Outlaw Smugglers, Stella Star, and Acton. Acton? Is that a character name? Yeah. A-K-T-O-N. Like the ancient. Minus the H after the K. Right. Why do we add an H to that? That's the thing. Ignaton is like an English rendering, so why would we put a silent... Never mind. Outlaw Smugglers, Stella Star, and Acton. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> Managed to pick up a castaway while running from the authorities, who turns out to be the only survivor from a secret mission to destroy a mysterious superweapon designed by the evil Count Zarth Arn. <laughs> That's a lot of ARs. Yeah. The smugglers are soon recruited by the Emperor of the Galaxy to complete the mission, as well as to rescue the Emperor's son, who has gone missing. That's it. What? Nothing else happens in it, according to IMDb. Have I seen this movie? Uh, you have to have, because you're the same age as me. Is it Flash Gordon? No, you're on the right track. Oh, God. Maybe you I, can see it. I have no idea. It had Carolyn Monroe in it. You're not helping me. That doesn't help? All right. It has lightsabers in it. <laughs> no. That's impossible. Yeah, it does. And when that's they came not out, true. That's impossible. They, the whole... <laughs> Search your feelings and go to true, Dinkus. And I remember when the lightsabers came out in the theater and the whole audience just went, ugh, with like total <laughs> They were having none of it. <laughs> All that pandering, it was for nothing, because the Hollywood is just like, what? We just saw this last year. 
Alright, I have no idea what you're talking about. Star Crash. Star Crash? It was a rip off of Star Wars the year after Star Wars. I don't Wars. I don't know anything about that. It, it sounds Tra- like a terrible video game. Carol Monroe in a leather bikini, which George Lucas then ripped off for uh, Return of the Jedi. Ooh. So well done. Hey, the ripoff pyramid goes both ways. That's an old thing in Hollywood. <laughs> so it kind of breaks my Fred in the title theme, but nevertheless, <laughs> you had an, you had enough names in there that I should have been able. Yeah, Sarth Ard, he's an evil count. They have counts in the future. <laughs> of course, they do. Acton. All right, so that was Star Crash. Crash. Yeah. All right. You didn't see that movie in the theater. How Just because like, it's out, all right, nothing else to do. We're nine, or however old we were. Uh, the reason is it, it was it was a huge deal for me to be able to get to a theater at that age. Right. And that time period. I mean, just to be able to get to Ghostbusters or any or any of the Star Wars movies, that was a major deal. It wasn't like now. How hard to live from a th- like what's what was the hard part? That's theaters are on every block. Uh, Wait, I lived true. I lived like an hour away from any theater. I lived uh, you Where? know I I lived in Colorado. I lived in the foothills up in up in a place called Coal Creek Canyon, which was well away from any theater that I could possibly go to. And my, and at that point, you know, my, my parents were both teachers. Um, it was, it was a, it was a financial deal and it was a, it was distance. And Oh, I thought you meant cause they're teachers. They didn't approve of low. No, no, no. It's it was, better tame. It's just, no, no, no. It's just, it was, it was time and money. Were they film teachers? No, no. See, that went, my mom was an English teacher. My uh, my stepdad was a uh, science teacher. And they both didn't make you go to Star Crash for those reasons? <laughs> no, they did not. That's... So if something like Star Crash came out, there's no way I was going to see that. And I was going to see the Star Wars movies when I got to see my dad in the in the summer or at Christmas time. And we would go to see the movies almost nonstop. We would go to see star wars or whatever and we would wait, we would wait for the year for years to see the next star wars movie coming out yeah. uh, but star crash i have no idea what that is that's awesome it was a ripoff the next year right. um, and there was a message from space too which had walnuts in it, like cosmic walnuts and like Vic morrow finds one in his glass and he's like oh i guess i'm one of the chosen ones cosmic walnuts <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, I love that you chose Star Crash. Uh, I, I disapprove of what I did. I don't. I do not. Okay. I totally approve. Of what Split vote. <laughs> Split vote. Uh, I want to let everybody know there's no spoilers again yet. I just want to let you know what we did see this week, though. Um, we did not see Star Crash this week, although if it had been out in movie theaters, I'm sure we would have both gone to it. Um, instead, yeah. this week, we saw... The movie The Gambler, a 2014 American crime drama thriller movie What about how if you're not a genius, don't bother. It was, yeah. it was, directed, by, it was directed by Rupert Wyatt and written by William Monaghan based on the 1974 movie of the same name by James Toback based on – his own life, or maybe on Fyodor Dostoevsky's short novel called uh, 
the gambler. I thought it, it was called Das Gambler. Das Gambler. It would be called De Gambler. Okay. Uh, it's, it stars Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Is that what you're waiting for? No, I was waiting for you to say, why can't you just be happy for me? Um, it stars Mark Wahlberg. Why can't you just be happy for me? Yeah. <laughs> Brie Larson, uh, Michael oh. Kenneth Williams, oh. Alvin Ng, and John Goodman. The Gambler is rated R for language throughout and for some sexuality slash nudity. Wait. Uh, oh, yeah, the strip club. What do you mean, wait? Uh, is not that doesn't count as nudity. Strip clubs are not... This shouldn't be. That should be a free pass. Oh wait, I'm thinking about the nudity in the because it's part of history in the interview. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there is there is plenty of there's language dudes. is never a good reason. Language is just stuff, mouth sounds, so it should never be. <laughs> language is mouth sounds. Yeah. As opposed to blood squibs, which I totally understand. <laughs> language is well, mouth sounds. If you breathe smoke out. <laughs> I hope dictionary.com changes what language is to language is mouth sounds because that is awesome. Well, come on. It's, I mean, if I say, if you just like F U C K, if you just say those letters, the exact speed that the MPAA has deemed age inappropriate, you right. go to jail. Right. So think about it. I'm thinking about it right now. Now stop thinking and listen to what Dingus is saying. All right. Well, this week's numbers, moving on now, uh, calculated on the massive quarter three abacus. Did he do uh, the gambler 2014 on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, and that's percentage of reviews that are positive. The gambler from 2014 is rated 48 percent. Huh. The gambler. And I should tell you this right now that Kelly Wand, thank told me to see a movie called The Gambler from 1974. Uh. And The Gambler from 1974 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, is rated at 86%. Wow. So on Metacritic, The Gambler, uh, which is the average ratings from various reviews, is at 56. There is no Gambler 1974 Rating for the met- for Metacritic because that didn't exist. Um, Science so, has come a long way, and so we can't do anything about that. No criticism. Uh, as far as box office is concerned, eh, the oh, Hobbit. Not, uh, yeah. it, it was the Hobbit. The Hobbit. And you, you threw off everybody. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so box office, the Hobbit. Uh, Cut into movie titles with the something in it. Right. Uh, the Gambler is down at number seven with 147,000, whatever. What? But, um, oh. yeah, the, the Gambler is at, at number seven. The Gambler did nothing. The Hobbit is seven's number one again. What'd you say? Seven's a lucky number in craps. So yeah. Was... yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, the Gambler did nothing this week. Um, let me tell you now, however, now that we've done numbers, we've done our ops, my mini opsis. Uh, we are now about to go into spoiler territory oh, as we flashlights. talk about The Gambler. I have no idea what you're going to call this, Kelly, because I know you're about to talk about like the things that go on in The Gambler. I don't know what you're, how you're going to put this. 
Um, you're like going to give like a plot or a, some kind of something about the gambler. I don't know what you'd call it, but we're going to spoiler territory as Kelly gives us the whatever it is. I don't know what it is. A plot? Is that what you said? I don't know. Plot, story, whatever. Do you have any theories? I know it's Tom's job to guess and to do math. I, I can never guess these things. You can never fill those shoes. I have no idea. The Gamblopsis. Oh, the Gamblopsis. I like that. Yeah. I, I like I love it because it sounds like it sounds like the movie and Lang a turd. The Gamblopsis. I like it. Wait, what? Ang Lang a egg Ang laid a turd. No, it sounds like the movie and laying a turd. The Gamblopsis. The Gamblopsis. I like it. I love that. Okay. Well thank you. That's that's sweet to hear. Yeah. That's music to my ears. The Gamblopsis. All right, so Kelly Wan, you've got the Gamblopsis. Gamblopsis. All right, deal it. <laughs> George Kennedy's dying in a bed. <laughs> what a weird thing for George Kennedy to just appear. What the fuck? He's op- he's our framing device, except uh-huh. for the last, except for the end part. Except there's no other. F- yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's half the frame. Yeah. Uh, like a. Uh, what are those glasses called that don't have top parts on the frame? Oh, oh monocles. Hmm. I see how this is going to go. <laughs> the Gamblopsis, take two. George Kennedy's dying in a bed. He's all, Marky, lean closer. <sighs> I just want you to know the movie Airport was based on something that really happened to me. <laughs> or was it Airplane. Anyway, go say hi to Aunt Hathaway on that other plan. At I think I have a shot at supporting. It's all in the pauses. As Wahlberg opens his mouth to reply, some words are all the gambler. Wahlberg drives to Malibu while some music's all. I'm what Mark Wahlberg listens to on the way to Malibu. Wahlberg goes to a Korean mansion with a casino in it. His star writing pupil, Brie Larson, works there. Her job is to stand by the front door and give visitors a startled look as they enter. (laughs) And she's the best at it. Wahlberg swiftly draws attention from a couple extras due to his uncanny knack for miscounting. <laughs> 21, sir, you win! Hit me! Uh, sir, you have blackjack. You, you won already. Did you win the Pulitzer Prize for writing a novel called You Always Have a Neighbor in Wisconsin and Get a Job Teaching Bitterness at UCLA? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Is that the Wahlberg we're going to have for the rest of the Opsis? We we get the wall we deserve. Uh, that's true. Yeah, it's all on him. That's a good point, Dingus. Thank you. Wesley Snipes comes up to Wahlberg and goes, Yo, man, I really dig the way you always lose and never change expression. That shit is tight. How'd you like to lose 50000 of mine in about 10 seconds? Get the fuck out of my face, homie. Nobody owns me except Korean gangsters. Wesley's all, No, man, here. I may know nothing about you, but back in Losers is what got me here. He forces $50,000 on Wahlberg, who manages to lose it before the first hand's even dealt. <laughs> a Korean guy's all, 
Why, man? <laughs> oh, jeez, really? It's not in a much. Good point. The interview kind of left me exhausted with uh, Asian accents. You owe me $240,000 in lunch at Wahoo's from February. <laughs> Wesley Snipes is all. Yeah, me too. Wait, what am I doing in my Korean rival's mansion? Never mind. We're both giving you till Monday. Wahlberg's all. Fine. What's today again? Everyone looks confused. Some words are all. Seven days. Like the ring. Wahlberg goes to the one class he teaches to subsidize his shame spirals. Some nerd kid in his class is all, Yeah, Mr. Wahlberg, isn't it true that Shakespeare was also the Duke of Oxford? <laughs> also, you keep mentioning Shakespeare, but later in the movie you make a speech in which you claim that you teach the modern novel. Wahlberg's all, Look, Poindexter, you may have paid your tuition fees and seen... <laughs> I don't know what that writing is. <laughs> but you can't play tennis like Stinky or basketball like Lamaze here. You're a science teacher and a Shyamalan at best. Everybody laughs. Why don't you go write a speech on how dumb you are and how awesome I am? It's due Monday. Wait, I owe $260,000 that day. Make it Sunday. Everyone in the class points at the nerd and laughs good-naturedly. Someone cuts off his hand. The dean cheers and streaks. House music starts playing. Everybody dances till Wahlberg snaps his fingers so he can resume his tirade. Is it tirade or tirade? I think it's... Yes. It's tirade. Come on. He's all, but you know who's the best writer I've ever met? This beautiful, nubile, young, blonde girl here. A black chick's all, wait, what? This is the first day of class. We ain't even turned in anything yet. <laughs> He's all, easy, sister. Why can't you just be happy for her? So how about it, blonde girl? Why you sit in the middle row? Literary geniuses aren't reclusive. Brie Larson's all, uh, well, I hate being noticed, unless it's in the doorway of a Korean gambling club in Malibu. Plus, the middle of the pancake's the best part. I've also found my teachers don't hit on me as much when I sit somewhere unobtrusive. Well, from now on, you sit up front, even if the seat's already occupied. That'll give you a better view of my freakouts and tantrums. The rest of you are flunked. Get the fuck out of here. The house music and jeering resume, but this time the disco ball spins a little sadder. In addition to a basketball star and the blonde prodigy, there's also a tennis star in Wahlberg's creative writing class who also works for Wahlberg's billionaire mom. <laughs> His job's to beat her at tennis all day while Wahlberg yawningly watches their volleys beneath an umbrella. She gives the tennis kid 20 in cash that I guess she keeps in her tennis outfit, then turns to Marky and goes, You owe who how much for hitting on a 20 what again? He's all, Fuck, Mom, just forget it. I lean over to the nine-year-old sitting beside me and whisper scream, If he needs fast, easy bunny, he ought to just start a fitness gym with The Rock and kidnap the guy from Monk. Since he already owes a Korean dude and a black guy, Wahlberg goes to see John Goodman this time to score alone. But Goodman insists he changed gender, so the deal collapses. Some words are all, five days till anything happens. Wahlberg goes back to his classroom to talk to the basketball star about iambic pentameter. The dude's all, yeah, Mr. W, there's more to being Lamaze than just Lamaze. You know what I'm saying? And now I got a knee. At 6 a.m. on a Sunday, Wahlberg sits sulking in his DJ booth above his classroom. Brie Larson comes in and sits in the front row of the empty room. She's all well, so he takes her to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> she says her actual line's like, I like restaurants. Or something. <laughs> like that's what it's about. 
restaurant, professor. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> he doesn't take her to Vegas. Look, let's think this, this isn't what you're saying is not very important. <laughs> I agree. That's always the point. It's what I'm saying is not important. Just keep saying that. Okay. Tattoo it on your mirror. Right. Tom sees it. Fair enough. Belated Xmas sidebar. Seeing as how his storyline in the first movie was satisfactorily resolved, Arnie is understandably not in Jingle All the Way too. Instead, it stars this generation's Arnold, Larry the Cable Guy, a casting choice that seems arbitrary at first, but I guess Christmas lights count as cable. As Wahlberg drives Brie Larson back to L.A., she's all, So instead of us having sex, which is what I thought you meant by let's drive to Vegas so I can work out my mommy issues, I just spent the weekend drinking by myself all night while you lost $238,000 of blackjack. You lost a fortune gambling. I don't even know who you are anymore. Who doubles down on a pair of twos and still busts? He's all, Why can't you just be sad for me? Wahlberg goes to a pawn shop to raise 1% of what he owes by selling his watch. <laughs> the pawnbroker's all, Am I the guy who got chopped in Lost World trying to park those RVs? Or is Kelly high right now? <laughs> like it's an either or. <laughs> Wahlberg's all, Never mind that right now. See this watch? I'm going to name a figure and then you're going to repeatedly answer, tell me about it, or I'll say. Do you understand? The pawnbroker's all, wait, what? Wahlberg's all, 3500 The pawnbroker's all, I'll give you 30 bucks for your whole left arm. No, I don't think you're understanding my proposition. <laughs> I name a figure and you pay it. Do you understand? The pawnbroker's all, uh, third base? Wahlberg's all. <laughs> Ah, you got that joke. It's been a lonely feeling. That was the thriller scene, I guess. I guess the pun from Life Brian. Well, it's all thirty-eight hundred. The pawnbroker's all. I'll give you thirty-five cents, and you keep the watch. No, 3500 and no haggling. You have 10 seconds to decide. Let me know when it's been 10 seconds, by the way. My watch doesn't work. Eventually, he just gives the watch to the tennis kid while the nerd kid watches bleakly from across the quad and rubs his bare wrist sadly. <laughs> A sundial topples over, crushing him to death. House music starts playing again. I lean over to the roulette wheel, spinning beside me and mutter... Speaking of watch parts, I wish that police inspector with the clockwork hand had been in the Eckhart Frankenstein. He was sort of the 1820s RoboCop. on a roulette wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it all ties in, Dingus, all right? Yeah. It's all one movie. Wahlberg gets beaten up a few times, then makes all his creditors beat him in Koreatown. He's all, 200,000 on the green double zeros. Since it's the end of the movie, Wahlberg wins. <laughs> could have just gotten seven days earlier i mean he's all here there's your stupid blood money character actors and by the way i'm not a real gambler those guys use actual analysis the tennis students all gosh mr Wahlberg, i've never done anything like carry a bag with a handle before except for my rackets i've also never seen the ocean even though i live in santa monica so 
wait, what was my purpose again? Wahlberg claps him on the shoulder. I need you to get as far away from me as possible, so I drove you to Koreatown. Good luck. I'm driving back to L.A. now, alone. He's in L.A. What the hell's he talking about? He stalks out triumphantly while the syndicate leaders hang their heads in shame and ask each other what they become. Then he runs across town. The music's all. He's still running. A newspaper's all. No visible signs of boarding traffic on freeway as Wahlberg runs across city to ring Brie Larson's bell. Euphemisms. The end. Wow. It's a long one. Yeah, that's what she said. That was awesome. Thank you. Opsis. You never know which ones are going to be long. That's the fun of the opsis. That is true. The only fun of the opsis. Plus, no Hobbit. Here's your reward. There's your reward. A million words about the gambler. So you saw the 74 one. God, Kelly, I cannot tell you. Yeah. Uh, did you watch it this week, too? No, but I know it vividly. Like, I don't. Oh, good Lord. It's so good, and it's so... And he's a gambler. He's a gambling addict. And it was filmed when James Caan was addicted to cocaine. So there's this whole layer to it. Well, I, I don't know any of that, but let me just lay down my cards right now. Uh, and I didn't mean to make a pun. I apologize. Um, uh, I, I, I liked a lot of this of this movie we saw this week. Um, I liked uh, a lot of the uh, the monologuing and the dialoguing. I liked I liked some of it. Until the moment when I watched, when I until the moment I started the nineteen seventy four James Toback yeah. James Con version of the Gambler, and then I was like, "Oh, that's what this movie is." Right, um, and it's totally different. Every I, I don't know whether to to curse you or praise you, but I'm going to go ahead and praise you um, because uh, I ruined one movie. The well, you know. it, no. It, 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 <laughs> It's not that it ruins it. It's just that it it, it kind said. of it kind of fulfills the worries of the protagonist of the movie we just saw for this week's podcast. Uh, because his, it seems to me that his main worry is is um, I think that his basic fear is mediocrity. That uh, that uh, he is a genius, but he'll be mediocre. Or the fear of of not being able to fulfill the promise of being a genius or whatever in this modern movie, it, it, he's fearing mediocrity. And this movie is basically mediocre. And when you watch the 1974 movie, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the, this, the 1974 movie is, is just – Oh my God! And this is one of those moments where, and and I said this because I was watching it with my girlfriend, and I was watching it. And I'm like, oh God, I wish this is another of those moments. And I know people will tire of me saying this. This is one of those moments where I wish that Tom could be here to talk about because I, the most thing I want to talk about is the 1974 movie. Yeah, that's that's all I want to talk about tonight um, because I know that the two of you are constantly like 1970s, 1970s, 1970s movies. Mm. Blah, 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 Especially blah, blah. 74. 74 was a huge year for movies. Well, I, I don't I don't know from that. I, I you know I just know that the two of you are like oh 1970s are so great. Blah 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 blah. I'm like yeah, and I kind of nod in the background like yeah I agree, but I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But watching this movie against against the the current gambler that we've seen i mean the 1974 movie is just crackling and alive yeah. and uh, oh my god it is such a great movie it's great and and especially great 
contrasted against this piece of glossy whatever that we saw this week, which which I thought at the time was oh, yeah it's okay. Yeah. Um, but watching this 1974 movie that you that you insisted last week, and I and Kelly, I can't be more thankful for you that you suggested that I you. do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my God, it's so good! It yeah. is so good in so many more ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a James Con fan, but good lord, what? you're not. Not really. I mean, and it's so weird that he that he makes this. What. Like right after making The Godfather, yeah, and and it has like a couple of echoes of The Godfather. The character is a li- is slightly similar, but not really. There's a there's a there's this like this scene where he's doing this like party thing that's similar to that wedding scene in The Godfather. Yeah. There are things that are a little reminiscent, but not quite there. But it what a what a chance he takes to make this movie, and he's so good in it. Well, you remember that one scene where he's in that room and sort of awaiting his fate, and he looks really scared. Yeah, that they're gonna kill him or fuck him up, and it's like that's totally different from what he was doing in The Godfather. Like, that's the I think that's oh, the only time yeah. I've ever seen James Con like express that. Like, fuck, what's gonna oh, happen? Yeah, like, I, he's really worried. I agree with you. And in, in you know, it, he's playing he's playing dunderheads of two different varieties. But uh, well, it's funny. <laughs> in a room waiting like he would have just been battering the door with his foot and like trying right right violent murderer so and i love i love this character so much yeah and and i i you know i'm a big fan of mark Wahlberg. i really am um but uh, it's I, not I, on him no no it's not on him i but, think he's good in this movie but I think I think he's good in it too. But if you were to ask me who would make a more convincing professor, Mark Wahlberg or James Caan, right. I would go. I guess Mark Wahlberg. But also too, it's like James Caan. Okay, he's an addict. He's addicted to gambling, and that's you get that. And he doesn't hate himself when the movie starts. Like he's getting in over his head. But like the Wahlberg character, I don't even like you. You guessed it as motivation, but I'm not quite sure that we're supposed to really know it. It's never explicit. And if it's just what you're saying, that makes it really like I don't give a shit. Like I don't geniuses worried about mediocrity like Caribbean River. Like they're just gonna be <laughs> I can only speak to my own experience, but being smart's usually a burden. So it's like for him to whine I don't know. It's just such a different movie and it's such a different ending and it's not dependent on luck, the James Conn one. It's just such a so different take on I didn't read the Dostoevsky one actually and maybe we shouldn't be talking about the 1971 one if, if we're going by like Tom's edict about source material being irrelevant because if it's no, the, this isn't source material I, I'm not worried about you, that because because I honestly think that with with the movie we just saw there's very little I mean we we could we could run it down and we could talk about it but I'm not talking about I'm not talking about it as source material. I'm talking about it in comparison, and uh, just because uh, I, I'm so excited about this 1974 movie. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about the way it looks. It I'm catches excited. the high of gambling too. Well, well, that's the thing, um, and the low. <laughs> is is this? I don't know that the new one does that. It's the movie that we're that that we saw this week. The the Gambler 2014. Is it a I don't understand what they're going for. Because, I don't either. Because at the end, he he says, I, "I'm doing this I'm not, for this guy. I'm doing that for that guy. I'm not a gambler." Right. Uh, what what is the point the movie's trying to make? I don't know, I don't know what that means. 
is, is this movie about addiction or not? I mean, be, I mean, one of the things about this movie is is for me, and uh, with as great as the mon- as some of the monologues are, and and I, and I like the stuff he's doing in the classroom. Yeah. It's it's fine. I, I love the contrast in the nineteen seventy four like uh, Mister Cotter classroom that he's in first. Yeah. You know, the, his first classroom is really like a high school classroom. He's clearly like a community college or right. something. Um, it's more relatable. It's more relatable right up to the basketball game where barely anybody's attending yeah. it as opposed to like a stadium. I mean, he should be rich if he's addicted to gambling. Like, if yeah, the, Wahlberg has a car to lose and a house. That's but, such, that's way different. <laughs> but, but as I walk the, watch the movie, as I watch the, this movie, the, the one we watched, the 2014 version, uh, I'm like, yeah, I like the monologues. I like what Mark Wahlberg is doing. I love Brie Larson, but uh, all she can do is look astonished or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I like uh, I like Michael Kenneth Williams. Uh-huh. I like John Goodwin. I like uh, I, I like I like all the actors in it. Yeah, the individual seeds are good, and all the acting's great. But but for me, watching the movie is just another junkies or tedious movie. It's just yeah. like this is just another movie about addiction, and but but we're not going to commit to it. Um, we're not going to admit that we're just going to like he's just going to have a bag of money and he's going to throw it away tonight. Um, I, I, I just don't know what to do with it. It's, it's just, like the it's like the wages of sin phase of Boogie Nights, but the entire movie is that. Right. It's like right, the right. bummer part of Boogie Nights stretched out to feature. But I, but I don't think the movie ever ever makes a commitment to that. No. And is he really a gambling addict? Because I don't know that that's so, true. The movie never commits to that. Right. It, well, it's, it, the Con, James Conn character, that's the problem. He's addicted to gambling. Everything else is fine. Right. Everything else happens as a result of that. Well, as but, Wahlberg seems to have issues, he hates himself when the movie starts. But they're both they're, – they're addicted to losing, I think, is the problem. Yeah. It's but, this weird sort of I need to lose thing. But then um, he doesn't lose – but they, but in the in the movie that we saw this week, it's, it's it it blows up not into just an existential question, but a universal question. Like, what is what is the meaning of existence? And and if I lose, am I losing my soul? I mean, it's this whole like thing that he goes on and on and on about about uh, like what is greatness? What is? I mean, it it gets it just starts to pontificate and get yeah. weird. And and I just don't know what to do with it. It's it it's at once. I mean, there's this great there's this great dialogue, and I'm and maybe maybe I'm confusing the fact that they use big words that I like, like obstreperous, um, or uh, I don't know whatever other words that the professor like spits out. That, well, it's Wahlberg too. Yeah, it's Wahlberg spitting out these great words right. that I'm like, oh, that's cool, but I, I just don't know that it amounts to anything. Yeah, and those are the. I liked what he did in the classroom too, but it seemed like the scenes where he he seemed more convincing in the scenes where he's fighting <laughs> or getting his ass kicked. <laughs> well, as James Cod is just like that guy, like you believe in that character from the first frame to the last frame, and you're kind of like kind of get how he got to this point. While as with Wahlberg, you're like, wait, does he just come? Because he loses fifty grand like in ten minutes, right? So it's like it's surprising he only owes as much as he does. And he's already not had his thumbs broken six times over. Right. 
Well, I, 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 you know, and I, I and does that matter? I'm, I think it matters to me because of the thing I want to things I want to talk about. Because watching the Gambler from 1974 me was just so exciting to me. It's yeah. just so exciting to me from the relationship he has to his mother, from where the mother lives, and the uh-huh. and the way she acts, and and what her demeanor is at the bank, and when she's giving him the money, and how that affects her, and how that affects him when he's putting it in his jacket, and. And and the way he loses the money over time, yeah. rather than in this weird sort of paranormal activity, like I'm at a table next to a bed, like and we're speeding up time, kind of a thing. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I it just it, it just doesn't resonate with me the way the 1974 thing and and I'm not a big fan of 1970s cinema, and I wouldn't care to watch this. But I'm so glad you made me. It's so-, so you say that you're not, but every like James Cod movies in the 1970s were The Godfather, The Godfather Two, this. Wait, is that it? And Roller. <laughs> I don't know if that's it, but I never would have seen this movie. Uh, this the, the 1974. It's so exciting to watch. Yeah. Oh my god, the textures of it, the way the the settings of it, mm-hmm. uh, the way it's written, the the dude who who's Big Ernie. The big Ernie character in this, as opposed to the other, the John yeah. Goodman character. As much as I love John Goodman and all yeah. he's saying and all he's doing, it's so weird to go back to this one and see what that guy is doing. Oh man, I think 1970s crime is more interesting to me than like. Well, know. why? Why is that? Because it's all. It's just too. It could be happening anywhere. I'm saying, like, he goes to that mansion in Malibu, and there's a casino in it, and these, and there's all these gangsters standing around who all know each other, and like, that's a world, and his, his student works there too. Like, it's all just, it's all very contrived, right? And it's all very, it's not really, it bears no resemblance to anything I have ever seen, or know. Like, I've been on that side of the rope, not that often, but like every time I was, it wasn't that. I don't know. There's just something about it seemed false. You know, the, like, is this really happening somewhere? You make a really good point. Uh, it does feel like this is some weird other world, which would normally be interesting to me. But whereas that that's fake. That first gambling scene in this, you look at the blinds behind him, and I remember pointing this out when we were watching it. Is that they look like apartment blinds? Yeah. They, they they're just look cheap blinds. They look like something that. And like you, me, Tom, anybody could – we could stumble into that or a friend of ours could bring us into that. Whereas that mansion in Malibu or in the Hollywood Hills or wherever it is, uh, that's not something you could – Yeah, you have to try to get there. You 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 have to try to get there. You have, you have to have connections. You have to have special parking. You have to walk in with a briefcase. You have to walk through security. And, and whereas this, this community college professor – just goes into this thing and he loses all this money yeah. and it makes much more sense to me but i like i mean normally i like this sort of idea of this this veneer of of glossiness that that is this other world it just doesn't work i guess i don't i don't know i i, I guess uh, you know the gambler I don't know. it it works fine for what it is it just doesn't Draw me in the way the 1974 ones. Yeah, because if what you're saying is true, and that's really what the movie's about. Well, well, what do you mean? The my thing about mediocrity. Yeah. Well, do you? 
do, what I do don't you see think anything about else. that? That's what I'm saying. It's like that's it's pretty on the nose, and he says it verbatim pretty much in the classroom. Well, he he's hey. talking about this, and he's talking about he's also there's a lot about suicide in this. And how much do you think this movie is about suicide? Uh, uh, more than the '74 one. The '74 one, I got the sense that there might have been a time when he was winning a lot. Okay. And there was like strategy involved in his bets. While as in this, it kind of reminded me of the gambling scenes in Casino Royale, where James Bond wins because he basically gets lucky. Like he needs an ace, so that he gets the ace right then, and it's like. All right, I guess that's possible, but it's not like that heroic. But do you think the character is even interested in winning? He wins at the end. But do you think he's interested in winning? Uh, no. But I don't know when he changes gears. I don't know when he suddenly... But does he ever? I mean, this seems to be about both of these, but let's... It ends with a meet cue. It seems to be a movie about somebody who's interested in losing. The the modern one? Both of them, but but let's focus on the modern one. It, it seems to be purportedly about a guy who's interested in losing. Yeah. Because he's... He starts life with everything, and he's he seems to be interested in losing. And he but we keeps, don't know why, other than what you said. Well... I think what what happens is that this that this movie these movies start with a character who has everything and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And so the writer is trying to figure out what to do with him. So what they're trying to figure out is he wants to lose everything because that will make him into a fetus or a base human being and then he can define who he is. And, and that's what this m- movie sort of says explicitly like if I get to zero, then I can start over. Uh, so it's about characters who are interested in losing. Yeah. And and, and what's weird is is that There's the movie we stuff. just saw says explicitly. I, Lamar, the basketball player, says, "I don't understand suicide." And then the other character says to him, "Well, that's because you're happy." Right. Um, and I think that I think it's about the not addiction to losing i mean there's an addiction aspect to it but it's it's somebody who's seeking to lose and i don't i don't really understand that as a character but i'm fascinated by any writer who would go after that my question is all right and it kind of reminded me of the interview a little bit weirdly oh what the wesley snipes character is like okay this guy's a bored loser he's into me for 50 um Maybe it was all a setup to get Lamar through him, but it's the same thing with the interview. We're like, are you really going to entrust the like someone who is clearly issues laden with something really delicate where there's a lot of money on the line right away? Right. Like, okay, yeah, you got to make him lose the game. You got to make him win by no more than seven, and then like he's watching the game, like, oh, what? What's he doing? What? Was it was it like that in the seventy four one? Because I can't remember. That seemed way more, more like way more unconvincing to me. Well, the, for me, uh, first of all, let me just say the the Wesley Snipes character is is uh, is the character Neville. 
He's played by a guy named Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, and he was, oh, I in, he was in. Okay. And he was in. Um, he was actually in Inherent Vice. Um, he's he's the uh, he's Tariq, the the guy who's in the like the the black gorilla family, <sighs> who he meets with. Um, and he's he's been a lot. He's been in a ton of other stuff, but uh, but I, I really like Michael Kenneth Williams. I think he's great in this. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, what's fascinating for me is the difference uh, because I love basketball so much, especially college basketball. Looking at the way that these two movies, the this version and the 1974 version, deal with college basketball because college basketball is such a huge deal right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, over the last you know 20 years, it's become so huge. Uh, where the NCAA tournament, I mean, if you if you're gonna, I mean, it's. The, the, this version where we saw is a stadium full of people watching uh, the end of a, a Division One game of a very small team, clearly. Yeah. Um, in the 1974 version, it's still the same team. It's it's like a New York City team playing, but there's the it they have this great. I love the sensibility of this arena that has like 20 people in it. Yeah, I mean, there's barely anybody in it, and I'm just sitting there wondering how in the world are they making money off of this if that's if they're betting the spread yeah. or they're betting against the spread because that's the the deal. And uh, Paul Sorvino is supposed to be televised. Yeah, Paul Sorvino is sitting there next to James Caan, and the two heavies are up there behind them in the stands and they're alone <laughs> they're, they're not surrounded by people it's this empty like stadium the sad it's and so he can sad. see them. oh yeah he can turn around and see them because they're the only two dudes up there i love the contrast i mean one of the things that's wonderful about seeing this gambler is watching the old gambler and seeing the contrast in in basketball and how college basketball works so yeah. uh, I, I have no idea how this this movie's Neville, whoever that is, is going to make money off of this game. But you get, you totally get the sense of how Neville in the current version is going to make money because they're betting in Vegas, right. and then and know. everyone knows who that guy is. Like on the t- on like TV announcers are like, oh, yeah. It's the only guy on the team worth mentioning by name. Everybody knows who Lamar is. And, and I love Lamar's whole, like, I got a knee. I got yeah. a knee. That's one of my favorite bits of dialogue. It's just yeah. like, it's like, I got a knee. I yeah. love that about it. About yeah, him. I love that guy's physical. He's really good, and this is the only thing he's been in. And his his headshot on IMDb is him holding a basketball. So clearly, he's a basketball player. Uh, that's his thing. But he's a really good actor too. I love what he does in this, and it, and I love that whole thing, that scene where he's like, "I got an A." I love that. Yeah, he was super convincing. Yeah, he's super convincing. But the the contrast between the two basketball games in this and the seventy four, ah, oh, they're great. They're so great. Yeah. See, that's the thing is basketball seems harder to take a dive on. Like it's a little more complex than like a boxing match. Well, that's what's awesome is that it fit that easily. It's team sports. One of the great bits of dialogue is when when Mark Wahlberg says you got to you got to take a dive, and he's like, "That ain't taking a dive. That's losing by that's losing by seven. I mean, or that's winning Winning by by seven. seven. Yeah, exactly. That's winning by that's winning by seven. What are you talking about? And and he treats it like yeah it's no big deal. And the guy in the seventy four version does the same thing. But James Caan says you're not gonna you're not losing. You're just doing this. And I like that they switched. They kind of moved the burden over to the other guy. 
I mean, that's a that's a cool bit of. I mean, I think the 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 current one is written well. It just has such a glossy veneer yeah. uh, that it just doesn't. I, and I don't know what they're quite trying to do existentially with that's, this movie. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's a movie about suicide. I don't know if it's a movie about losers. What is it about? I don't know, but it ends on such a like that ending. Sort of makes it not about losers because it ends with him. He's he's conquered everything. Well, he was the James Caan ending. By comparison, is yeah. about losing. Like it's true. It's a, it's a complete vision. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And this yeah, one's like I think it wants to be a fucking totally awesome movie about gambling. Like fuck cool. Like they want him cool it up. Because Wahlberg is the, supposed to be the cool guy. We're supposed to want to be him, aren't we? As opposed to pity James Caan. Yeah. I think we want to be Sonny Corleone, but not the character from The Gambler, per well, se. But Wahlberg's like, blazing through life. Something will save me. Well, he is constantly cool. He's got these sunglasses on. Um, even at the funeral at the beginning, which the funeral... I was... Uh, you know, if if you can look at a movie and say uh, the first sequence of the movie, I could remove it and the movie wouldn't be different at all. Yeah. If you took the funeral out of the beginning of this movie, uh, this movie would be no different. Yeah, because you already have Lang too, so you already have the family connection. There's no need for the the him at the hospital bed or the funeral. None of it. Well, take, is- take take it out. The movie is not different at all. Isn't it about breathing? There's like a breathing framing device where you hear George Kennedy's breathing at the beginning, and at the end you hear Wahlberg's. Oh God, who cares? If you take <laughs> if, if you take the first series, of, if you take the first ten minutes of this movie out, it doesn't make any difference. Until until you get to the moment where he enters the casino, none of it matters. And if you can remove the first five pages of the script, and none of it matters, I, I think you're in trouble. Well, what do you get from her working there too? Does that seem a little nothing? Bit... Because they don't, they, they never they don't pays mix. off, right? It doesn't. It, there's no never difference. enters that world, or she kind of does because she's threatened by Wesley Snipes. Well, no, but but uh, Michael Kenneth Williams, stop it! Michael Kenneth Williams, sorry. He has a magical power to show up anywhere at any time with all of his limos right. to pick this guy up and murder him, as if like we're going to show up in fifteen white stretch limos take a guy to a, 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 a abandoned pool and murder him. Yeah. I mean, come on. None of that makes any sense. But then if he goes, hey, you got to meet me in Koreatown, drop what you're doing, they'll all do it. Yeah. So it, he's calling the shots. Her being in the club doesn't mean... It seems not a character for her. It's That's fine. Not- if, if you want to make her a prostitute who makes her money on the side, fine. If you if you want to exactly. say that she she goes off to uh, casinos to make her money, fine. But her being there doesn't play out in the movie at all. Yeah. There's no payoff for it. it, and that's what I mean by that opening sequence with with Ken, with George Kennedy. None of it matters. You could just you could lift it out of the movie, and the movie does not change. And if you can take a scene of the movie, and the movie does not change at all, then that scene shouldn't be in the movie. Well, the seventy four one had the scene, but it was not at the beginning. So if they're just doing callbacks to that one, well, the grandfather plays a, an important part in the movie. Yeah, he feels betrayed by him. 
Right. Whereas at the beginning, it's just like, I'm not leaving you anything. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, well, nothing happens at the funeral. I guess the idea is that he goes to the funeral, and then on the same day, he's in that mood, so that's why he goes to the casino that night. Good. Then show him leaving the funeral so and going to the casino. Who cares? The funeral makes no difference. The opening scenes of this movie are meaningless. <laughs> oh, I, I hate it when that happens. All right, so. I wonder, though, see, now, I'm, like, if I hadn't hipped you to the 74 one, whether you would be. Oh, I'd be much more up on this. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you ruined what, what little I would like. No, don't be sorry. You you did me a, 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 a service. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, because, that's why, yeah. Because bringing this movie, and I don't, I had no, I, I loved watching it. Kelly, I loved watching this it's movie. It's an obscure movie, too. Like, it wasn't a box office hit, and it was really hard to oh, find. Oh, dude. Like, I didn't even know it existed until, like. I was so happy to watch it. I felt so good. It was like, I don't know, a balm. It was yeah. so good to watch it. It was like, I don't know how to describe this to you. But it, but when I started it, I felt my blood pressure start to go down it was it was this moment I know, that, I know that's goofy it was just like oh man this is a good movie and i'm oh man i just felt this this sense of relaxation it's like yeah oh i'm in good hands You're in good hands yeah. and 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 as i'm writing notes about it i'm like kelly damn kelly thanks yeah. dude i just felt well, like i recommend were... so much dreck so it's good that it Interview. Guys, shut up! You do you do plenty good, and well, and this you did really good, man. I'm I knew you would like pleased. this. Yeah, you you really you really knocked it out here. You, you hadn't seen it. I got really excited. Like, oh, dicks. <sighs> shit, dicks! You really knocked it out. I really appreciate you telling. Give me, me credit for everything. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do that. All right, so uh, you you mentioned like sort of gambling movies. This movie, you gave me a movie that would obviously be an over, but I'm not going to use it. But so let's go on to our over under right now, and you tell me what would be your over for uh, what would be your over movie. Can't, we can't use the 1974 Gambler. What would be uh, your over movie for the 19? I mean, sorry, the 2014 The Gambler. Uh, Cincinnati Kid. Steve McQueen. Oh, jeez, I don't even know what that is. Oh, you haven't seen it? Yeah, Margaret said it. It's super hot. What year is that? Nampy 65 or something. Shit. All right. Edward G. Robinson's in it. All right. Well, I've got. And it's all poker, and the, you oh, you should see that. I want to make you see that now. All right. Done. This sounds the money makes. They just like count these bills. That's so good. That movie's about gambling, too. All right. Cincinnati Kid. Good. Right. My, my over would be a movie called Hard Eight. Um, oh yeah, yeah. First PTA Anderson. Yeah, uh, which was originally called Sydney, um, but a movie that I absolutely love. I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I've never understood gambling. I don't get the allure. Certainly, don't get uh, what the deal is with roulette or craps. Why anybody? Ah, craps is great. I, I don't, love it. I don't get that. At no, it's all. fun. But but watching how it plays out in Hard Eight, roulette's cool. Uh, I love it because the movie. Uh, the movie sort of builds on it. It does a really good job of building on it. So what would be your under? Uh, I didn't finish watching this, and I haven't seen Rounders. Rounders is my under. Go ahead. Rounders is your under? Okay. Should I see it, though, even though it's your under? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 just, I just found it sort of to be meh. 
and, and it's another genius. Like and John Malkovich's accent is so ridiculous. I, I think it's worth watching just to watch John Malkovich do a terrible Russian accent. Um, but other than that, Rounders just you know goes through you like a laxative. It does. Did you ever see Big the Big Town with Matt Dillon and Diane yeah. Lane? No. Shows them. Okay. Uh, my under was Runner Runner though with just Runner Runner. Did you actually watch that? I watched part of it. All right. It's, it was irritating me. I was having trouble giving a shit. <laughs> it was kind of like this. It was kind of like the 2014 where it's like it's all he's doing online poker, which is very boring to watch cinematically. Mm-hmm. So then it all becomes he's like, wait, somebody cheated me on a computer. So now it's like this fucking. It's already like one step removed from visceral, and then it's like he goes to a Caribbean island. Like things spiral downward from there. Yeah. It's like bad influence, but. If it was made out of spreadsheets. <laughs> All right, good. That's my under. All right, good. All right, so now that we've done the over-under, let's uh, move, move on to our end. We apologize for this next thing. No, don't apologize. Uh, you're going you're to have to carry the weight on this because I honestly – I will not carry I do not know what to do with our, our mini penny movie club of Palooza of Murder it, by Death. Uh, I Honestly – I, I mean, the the cast, as you start to watch the beginning of it, you're like, holy cats, the, yeah. all these people are in it, but it's just Man. so goofy. It's, it's so it's, it's like so it. it's it's goofy in the extreme. And I, I honestly don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I might have fucked up on this one, although it's nice to see Alan get us again doing like blind soup ladling. I like that. <laughs> But when I was a kid and I saw this movie... Oh, wait, wait. First, before before we go into it, uh, why did we choose Murder by Death? What was last week's movie? I forget. Investigator... Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, Terrible Inherent, life. Inherent yeah. Vice. All right, so uh, Murder by Death, what's sort of the general... Sec- second it started, I went, oh, fuck, really? Did I do this? Did I make people <laughs> do this? I really felt remorse, like the worst remorse I've ever felt, probably. And it, nothing held up. Like, the only stuff that was kind of working for me was how racist the Peter Seller stuff was, which to me was interesting. I like that stuff. I, why do you like that stuff? That stuff because it's fascinating. I can't, I can't stand it. It makes me just cringe. It's just like athlete's foot. Very irritating. Yeah, I know. It makes you cringe, but that's the thing. Is like you can, it's, it's just like this historical relic where you like, look what was, look what was like a major studio – like what was permissible back then? Right. Like it's interesting. Like you. Uh, Do you feel the same way about the Pink Panther movies? I love the Pink Panther movies. Like I don't even; those aren't even a guilty pleasure for me. Murder by Death was a sort of an, a guilty displeasure, mostly. Like, but doesn't that have the sort of, like the no, whole? No way. Blake Edwards is the shit. Those the Pink Panther movies are way better than Murder. But by all Death. the Cato stuff that my not now my little yellow friend doesn't that. <laughs> Freak you out? Uh, no, because he's a dumbass. So it's okay if he's racist too. He's dumb about a lot of shit. He's he's not racist. He's racist only because he's dumb. Right. Not because he's mean. He's full of himself. And then he gets super. <laughs> so the Pink Panther movies. The first one's okay. The second one's great. The third one's amazing. The fourth one's brilliant. And then the fifth one's like not that good. And then Jeez. there's like they kept trying to resurrect it with Roberto Benigni and. Ted Wass, and it was all and yeah. But the the third one and the fourth one are really good. <laughs> oh my god! And way better than and I. You know what? I wish I'd picked either of those and foisted them on you rather than 
because Murder by Death was tough going. It's really painful. I forced myself to watch it. I mean, the very best thing you can say about it, as far as I'm concerned, because I I can't remember. I guess because of Bennett Miller, I had just watched um, Capote. uh, (laughs) Right. And so watching Truman Capote show up in a movie, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, I, I forgot that Truman Capote was in this. Right. And that's funny, you know. Yeah, yelling at Peter Sellers for being – for not doing his articles. Right. Right. But when I was a kid and I saw it, I guess I was kind of like Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters as a kid, kind of, because I was—I really spent like I did, like I rewatched the movie and try and figure out how it all made sense. Like that was really important to me as a kid. Like, okay, so if she's a robot, she couldn't have been in the same room with the butler. But if the butler's also made of plastic, like it, they didn't see. I thought it was like a serious movie with just like a few jokes thrown in. Like even as a kid, I didn't think it was that funny. So I go, oh, it's just a mystery movie. Because I hadn't even seen the Bogart. Like, it's two Agatha Christie characters. Right, 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 right. right. But who's Peter Sellers? He's not Fu Manchu. Who's he supposed to be? Who's the Chinese? Um, Charlie Chan? No, he's, he's, Charlie he's, Chan. he's the Charlie Chan character, yeah. Uh, okay. Because they're all based, I mean, uh, I think my Charlie favorite, my favorite thing is is Peter Falk playing the... the um, Sam Diamond. The who? Sam Diamond? That's his funny name. Oh yeah, Sam Diamond, the Dashiell Hammett kind of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's my favorite. Uh, I, I, although I like seeing David Niven uh, show up because I, you know, I, and who's the woman? Yeah, it's like a Pink Panther reunion. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. Thank you. Um, I like seeing David Niven because I, I just like James that. Cromwell. He could feel it in his buns, Dingus. <laughs> <laughs> that one, I forgot, and it's it is weird as the movie starts to see all these names, and you're like, "Holy, what the yeah. hell, James?" Yeah, Cromwell? it was a huge. I know, uh, but it's a Neil Simon script, and I'm, yeah. I'm starting to think he was vastly overrated at the time. That's my <laughs> new theory. Although I am partial to California Suite, all right, and chunks of the Pigeon Sisters in Odd Couple. And Biloxi Blues. It's Africa. And I also remember, and then this is a stupid thing to say, but I, I also remember being, you know, as as we were watching it, as the opening credits were going, uh, I liked seeing that Dave Grusin did the music because I like that guy. And Charles Adams did those uh, those little things for the art. Oh, so did he? So the cut. Yeah. Oh, that so. makes sense. All right. I like, right. I like so Dave Grusin because he because he did uh, Three Days of the Condor. I think. Ah, oh, I love that movie. Yeah, me too. So everybody's slumming. Yeah. Uh, All right. So do we have any listeners who yeah. would to chime in on this? But I do apologize. Like from that's the last and worst thing I'll ever do. Don't apologize. It was fine. Well, I'm not defending it. <laughs> okay. All right. What do our listeners? I feel I owe everyone for that because I did I make a speech like a couple weeks ago. Like, all right, I'm going to get serious about my mini penny movie. Palooza. No, and I don't expect you to. So so it's fine if you pick something like Murder by Uh, Death. Who cares? Because Dark Star was an easy choice, and Murder by Death was a bad... I was being like uh, Wahlberg's character. I was shame spiraling out. (laughs) Simon Esders writes, Hey folks, I managed to actually watch the entire movie this week, and I was thoroughly entertained. 
See, maybe it's just us. Hey. The performances were pretty great and weird. Who would have thought Peter Falk playing a racist asshole of a noir detective would be so entertaining? Maybe not convincing, but certainly entertaining. Well, he also turns gay, too, for a minute, doesn't he? Okay. He's a woman. No, wait, that was uh, Alec Guinness. No, but remember, no, he's gay, and then Eileen Brennan. It's like she's an actress or something. Any uh, specifics you ask me are going to be lost on me. I'm thinking about the ending again. If I were to talk about all the stuff I liked, I'd end up retelling the whole film. That said, I was kind of put off by the penultimate reveal. He calls it a reveal. The detectives making their money with novels based on their exploits breaks with the world of the characters that have been so far established. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's right. Because they're not the authors. He's like, Truman Capote's like, oh, well, you made it impossible for us to guess who did the murders. But it's like, they're the one, they're the characters. Never mind. All this does to make a sort of meta comment on the genre of detective fiction that managed end up feeling like it's both too on the nose and still kind of ambiguous about what I'm supposed to be taking away. Although I suppose with parodies, it's a very thin line to walk. Wishing you all the best in the current the new year, Simon Esders. P.S. That Peter Sellers role would so not fly today. P.P.S. Kelly's right that talking about what makes comedy work is really hard. <laughs> uh, if it's cheap, it's funny. That's my number one comedy role. And there's a number two. Dave Perkins writes <laughs> Didn't Peter Falk say You look like number two In Murder by Death To someone And then someone goes What's that mean And then another character goes I'll tell you later Like he fights Like Neil Simon just labors over it Never right. mind. Dave Perkins I was standing in front of the red box Trying to remember what movie We were supposed to watch this week Ah Dave He's right and I could only remember that the title sounded redundant, so I got Live, Die, Repeat and really enjoyed it. <laughs> so did uh, Jeff. What's Live, Die, Repeat? Live, Die, Repeat is, of course, Edge of Tomorrow. What? They re- they've repackaged it as Live, Die, Repeat. Edge of Tomorrow is the Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Retitled it? Um, they repackaged it because Edge of Tomorrow is such a horrible title that they went yeah, with the tagline you know, and the poster. They're funny. calling it Live, Die, Repeat because most people remember it that way, and that's what the movie is about. And Edge of Tomorrow has nothing to do with the movie. No, but it seems weird. Like if you're going to go – like I've now I've committed the – the phrase Edge of Tomorrow to my memory, so now I have to remember. Right, but it's every time you say that, uh, it sounds like an, an angel is getting a soap opera. So, um, <laughs> Lived I Repeat <laughs> is a much better sort of like way to trick more people. So who, the slogan was is now the title. Exactly. Is Edge of Tomorrow now the slogan for the movie? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, uh, so, but I'm so pleased that that Dave and Michelle Dave liked, liked it, it because I I was the one in the podcast who was crazy about this movie. I loved. No, it. No, I liked it too. Tom was the one. Who oh, was okay. Okay, good. I, 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 he likes Oblivion and hated this. I am I am absolutely as as we work on our end of the year movie lists. I am absolutely looking forward to watching it again because oh, great. Um, ed- Great, great editing. Oh, it's so well edited, and and Tom Cruise is so good in it. He yeah. so has such an understanding of of the character he plays, and Emily Blunt is just I, I loved. That's what uh, Tom hated because yeah. she gets sidelined too much. Uh, well, I I disagreed with that, but but fair enough. Uh, I'm glad that Dave and Michelle liked it. That's great. 
in fact, she said she wants to watch it again, just like the, in the title says, which never <laughs> happens. So it makes me wonder if we're caught in some kind of time loop. No, I kind of stole his joke. So I guess what I'm saying is that I've returned to being a failure at Mini Movie Club. No, there's no failures here. Dodging Murder by Death is not a fail. Chris Markardson, our beloved Chris Markardson. Ah, uh, Chris. You know, we should, we got to pay him something, even though we didn't. He's taking it on himself. But he's Don't Canadian. worry. I, I, I've, uh, I've sent him something. Don't worry. He did? He's doing fine. Is he rich? No, he's not rich, but I sent him a card. I said, thanks, Chris. You're awesome. Oh, you, got you sent him a card? Yeah. That's not paying him. Uh, that's true. Chris Markinson writes, hey, guys, with the writing and acting star power of this movie, I should have liked it more than I did. And I know, it's fucking writing. This is what I'm saying, Dingus. Remember? Yeah. yeah it was... The actor just get a free pass. I can appreciate the satire. Remember when David David squeezes that mouse? <laughs> and he says he feels silly because the mouse isn't a robot. That was for me to you, Dingus, not Martinson. I appreciate that. I can appreciate the satire in the movie and how it poked fun at various mystery tropes, but I rarely laughed. Dude, I watched it the day after the interview, so I was really jonesing for comedy. Wow. I know. It was a tough. It was a long 24 hours. Christmas Eve. Yeah, there was there when we were sitting there watching the interview. There were precious few laughs. Wow, what the fuck? How'd they forget that? This is the end. Had shitloads of laughs for me. Am I dumb? Not for you. I'm an easy laugh too. It just didn't. It wasn't happening. But you laugh more in this is the end than you did, if at all. I guess the interview. The interview was like a desert. Fuck a desert. I kept thinking about neighbors though, and feeling neighbors sucks too. Yeah, they're at a downward. I don't know. That's another McBrideless one, though. So maybe it's been part of my McBride theory in action. Ah, good point. No, it's not. Chris Markinson continues. <laughs> I couldn't help but cringe at Sellers' character, and I'm guessing that something like that was much more acceptable in '76 than it would be now. Uh, yeah, date rape jokes and caveman, uh, guns and ET. It's all. Yeah. It all actually happened. Yeah, it's all part of the record. Quite honestly, the podcast has spoiled me for great Asian accents. I don't know what he's talking about. I did like David Niven and Maggie Smith, and for me, they were the most enjoyable performances in the movie. See, when people got that that was a Thin Man parody. Yeah. But I didn't, because I hadn't seen those fucking I've movies. never seen any of the Thin either. Man stuff, yeah. I get it mixed up with Topper. I don't even know what that means. David Niven is thin, though. Right. Cary Grant ghost movie I'll keep this part short I watched the 1974 Gambler and other than yelling at the screen to get Jessica Lange in focus when she gets out of bed I really enjoyed the movie wait she's not in the 74 one is she? Oh. that's uh, Lorne Hutton yep he said happy new year guys Chris and then uh, Justin Hurd wrote an IMDB synopsis suggestion so I'll just read it next week the IMDb part. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. So that's it. Murder by Death is now in our rear view. Thank God. I apologize again. Listenership dwindling. Thanks to Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I will never do that again. It's either going to be something I'm really curious about, have a good feeling about, or something that I just want to make you watch. Because I believe in it strongly. Which murder by that? Did that what? What? Like I'm not. Well, just I'm not like a huge murder by death fan. Why did I pick this fucking thing? What was right. wrong with me? 
I think you're trying to mess it's a with a rush me. job. Yeah. Yeah, but it, see, it backfired because then I have to watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on that. In, in either case, um, I will now pick a movie that we will watch for next week's Mini Penny Movie Club of Palooza. Um, it is a really tough act to follow. Uh, because I think it'll be a difficult movie for our listeners to find. Uh, but it's a movie that is very near and dear to my heart. And what I kept talking about um, when I was talking about the things I did like about The Gambler were the, uh, were the monologues and some of the, some of the, the back and forth in the di- – in, the, in, the, in what serves as pattern in this movie. Uh, some of the stuff John Goodman is saying, some of the stuff uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is saying, and I think Mark Wahlberg is really good. He's good with words and all that. Um, but I think some of the things that, that this writer is trying to do um, echo for me my favorite movie in this in this genre. Uh, it's not perfectly in the same genre as this but it's close and it's about addiction and and it is about gambling but it has more to do with um uh con artists in that same world so for this week's uh mini movie club i would ask you to go see the movie house of games oh i love that movie uh, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, David Mamet, right? It's David Mamet. I think it's his, might be his first movie. Um, yeah. Uh, but for for monologues and weird dialogue, and even though it's stilted and has its own language, and since the gambler talks about this weird Shakespeare kind of thing that goes on, uh, I would really love if people could see House of Games and come back and talk about it next week. So um, I'm asking Kelly and everybody else, and I will watch it as well, uh, to try to find and see House of Games this week. Um, it's and no murder by death, but I'll do what I can. It's no murder by death. I agree. It's no caveman either. But um, <laughs> I'm on a cold streak. But I would really love for you guys to see House of Games. Um, yeah. And and see what it does for you. Um, that is our. Uh, that'll be our mini movie club which we will watch uh, in addition to our main movie of the week uh, next week. Usually, at the end of the year, we will do our uh, top ten list. Um, we are... Oh, by Hercules. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to put that off uh, for a little while uh, because... Uh, we're really looking forward to Tom being able to join us with this. Uh, Tom's getting a lot better, but uh, being able to talk for a couple of hours right now isn't possible right now. Um, but I'm really hoping that will be happening soon. Uh, so we're not going to be able to do the top ten list. But you, you've got you're, you're inundated with top ten lists. You can look on uh, everywhere to find top ten lists. Uh, and if you have to wait until even and uh, for a couple of weeks. To hear what our top ten movies of 2014 are, uh, don't worry about it. We will talk about them, and we will wax poetic about them, and then you will have a bunch of new movies to see. Uh, so, But for next week, the movie that we are going to see that I'm so excited to see, I can't wait to see this movie. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, it's called A Most Violent Year. 
and this is by a director named J.C. Chandor, who is a director we all really love. Uh, he did a movie called uh, Margical, and then, of course, he did uh, another movie uh, called All is Lost. Um, that we were crazy about last year. Uh, he's a great director, and uh, I have high hopes for this. Uh, who knows what could happen? Uh, but I'm really looking forward to A Most Violent Year, which will be our main movie next week for uh, the podcast. And then for the mini movie club, I would ask you to go see House of Games. Go see it or just see it? Just see it. You don't have to go. It's not the theater. You don't have to go to a theater. Just see it. Oh. Okay. All right. Good. Just making sure. Uh, so uh, I um, I really thank you guys for being here and, and listening to us, being so loyal to us. Uh, this is the uh, quarter three movie podcast. Uh, if you do see House of Games, please do uh, write us in like a little review of what you think about it. Just like three lines of it. Just send it into three by three at quarter to three dot com. Three x three at quarter to three. Spell it out quarter to three dot com um, and just send us a little uh, a little review of what you think of uh, House of Games um, you can always contact uh, me at dingus underscore x at twitter uh, and you can uh, always get Tom at QT3 on twitter as well uh, Kelly you're going to have to you're going to have to talk to me and Tom and we will pass on any messages to Kelly of course what Exactly. And also, uh, please like the Quarter 3 page uh, on Facebook. Uh, that would be really great. So follow Quarter to 3 on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. That would be awesome. All those movies. And uh, again, thank you for uh, listening to me, Christian Morosky, and Kelly Wand on the Quarter to 3 movie podcast. Dingus, what did Luke Skywalker say to his salad? It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry Five days since you laughed at me Saying get back together, come back and see me Three days in the living room I realize it's all my fault but couldn't uh, tell you uh, Today you've forgiven me But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry Hold it now and watch the hood wink Does it make you stop and think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman I summon fish to the dish Although I like the shallots Because I like the sushi Because it's never touched a frying pan Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes He said, may the fork be with you you are the least obstreperous person in this room. That's Randall Park? <laughs> <laughs>